So over the next eight weeks, we're going to walk through the, the 23rd Psalm together. And so uh, I, I am so excited to take you on this journey. Uh, before I left on sabbatical, I knew God wanted me to preach the 23rd Psalm when I returned. I didn't know why. And then God made it pretty clear through the sabbatical. And so I'm going to talk a lot about some of the, some of the lessons Karen and I learned on our sabbatical. Uh, many of you will ask me, us questions like, well, well w- w- what did you do? So what did you do for six weeks? And so you're really not asking, I think, you're really not asking what did we do. You're asking where did we go, right? Uh, because, because, I mean, we're, we're into that, right? We're into busyness. I mean, so just where did you go? And so to answer that question, uh, we didn't really go anywhere. Uh, we went as far as where the grandkids were. So we, we, we made a lot of trips to Colorado Springs, got some grandkid time. But other than that, let me ask, answer this question. Uh, let me ask, answer the question which it was asked is what did we do? Here's what we did. We totally disconnected from the world. Um, we, we totally disconnected. We practiced what a lot of the desert fathers practiced in, in times of dryness in their life. Uh, we practiced silence, solitude, prayer, scripture. Uh, we had a lot of conversations t- together, and it became a very healing time in, 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 in our life. You see, see, we learned some huge principles through the sabbatical. We learned that our, our being with God has to be enough to sustain our doing for God. See, if we're not careful, we think the Christian life is just all about doing. In other words, we're not accomplishing anything. We're not accomplishing a good vacation unless we go somewhere. We're not accomplishing a good time off unless we do something. And so all of a sudden, we, we just like disconnected from the world. And it was like we didn't watch a lot of news and not a lot went on while we were away, right? Yeah, I'm, we're glad we missed some of that, right? And so, uh, and so we, we like disconnected and we had these times of scripture and, and, and prayer and worship and, and all of these other things because here's the thing, it's so dangerous. If you get into the place and you think the Christian life is about doing and it's all about doing and then the being, it gets, it gets all off-centered, you will burn out, you will blow out, and you will live a very dry life. So we learn this principle, we learn this principle that the healthy ministry or a healthy Christian life is to be lived out of an overflow of what God is doing in your life about just being with him. Listen, your, your greatest tool for a healthy life, in case you don't know this, your healthiest tool, your greatest tool for a healthiest life is a good heart, is a healthy heart. And I'm not talking about a physical heart. I'm talking about a, whether you want to call it soul or heart. It doesn't matter. Bible interchanges that. Your greatest tool for life is a healthy heart. Listen, leading, leading yourself well, caring for yourself is not selfish. It's good stewardship. The most difficult person you will lead is yourself. The most difficult resource that we have for you to steward is yourself. And so I'm going to ask you a question as we just try to help you think about this subject and think about the 23rd Psalm. And today is just really an introduction. We'll walk through some stuff and, and we'll take communion together in a few moments. Let me ask you a question. Do you consider yourself high maintenance? A lot of times, okay, well, okay look straight ahead. Don't look at the person next to you. I don't want to have to go into marriage counseling, right? 
A lot of times when you ask people that question, do you consider yourself high maintenance? A lot of people say, I'm not high maintenance. The person sitting next to me, that's high maintenance, right? A lot of times what people will do when you ask this question, do you consider yourself high maintenance? They try to find the the most self-draining person that they can think of and say, I'm not self, I'm not high maintenance. You know who high maintenance is? And then all of a sudden they name the individual's life. But a lot of us, we, we get really uncomfortable with that question because you probably don't think about it this way. But listen, let me just tell you, in the 23rd Psalm fleshes this out, you're incredibly needy. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) Like, we want the young guys. Bring the young guys back. You're incredibly needy. You need oxygen. You need water. You need food. Oh, you need friendships. You need healthy companionship. You need a shepherd. His name is Jesus Christ. And so we have to face the facts, and we have to come to the place to understand, I'm incredibly needy. But when we think of a high-maintenance person, we think of that incredibly draining person. And let me just tell you something. Here's just a principle. Having needs does not make you high-maintenance. It makes you human. God created you with needs. God created with me, me with needs. He's aware of his needs. He wants to meet your needs. He created you with needs so you would depend on him to where you understand that he's the only one that can meet your basic needs. So just so we're tracking this morning, let me tell you what is dangerous. A a person who has needs, but they expect you to meet every one of their needs by themselves, by yourself. In other words, it'd be called codependency. In other words, they believe that unless my spouse or unless my friend or my boyfriend, my girl, whatever, that they are the source of my needs. They are the source of my happiness. And if they, if, if they don't meet every one of my needs by themselves, then I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be passive aggressive. That's danger. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. So you're, you're high maintenance, and you need to own it. And don't worry, I am too. So the 23rd Psalm helps us to understand this helps us to understand healthy rhythms, helps us to understand that that God is our shepherd who desires to meet our needs because let me tell you something. You You have to take care of your heart. Nobody else can take care of your heart but you. And and here's my concern about this issue of needs. Many of us, we don't even know the needs we have. Fact is, we've bought into this belief that this, that this, just you just walk through life and you just deny yourself, and and it's like it's like God and others and job and ministry and all, and then all of a sudden you're way down to the end, and somehow we think that's spiritual. Let me tell you something: if if you don't have a healthy heart, healthy soul, you can't meet anyone's needs around you. You cannot steward yourself well. That's why Jesus says you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. If your needs aren't being met, then you can't meet anybody else's needs or love them well. So this morning in the 23rd Psalm, verse 1, that's all we're going to have time for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, David's just making a statement that, guess what? God alone meets every one of my needs. 
I look to him as a source. He's the one that meets my needs. And so this morning, we need to ask ourselves a question, and that is, what, do, what does a shepherd do? Because a lot of times we don't understand that. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, what does that mean? What does he do? And so I want to give you three things that a shepherd does, that a shepherd did culturally, and that, that Jesus does for us. And the first one is this, is, is he protects. The first one is this, is he protects. John 10, 14, when Scripture says, and Jesus says, hey, by the way, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the, the sheep. And so, so many shepherds culturally in their day, uh, the way that they would shepherd is they would protect the sheep. I don't know if you know this, but sheep are incredibly needy. I mean, they cannot do anything for themselves. They, they, they depend totally on the shepherd, and the shepherd completely and totally protects them. Sometimes a shepherd would lose his life because of like some un expected circumstances this is what Jesus is talking about Jesus is talking about a shepherd may lose his life for the sheep because of a, a crisis or circumstances but I'm the good shepherd I laid my life down willingly for you I mean I willingly went to the cross nobody took my life from me I protected you so much and I wanted to meet your needs that I laid my life down willingly for you. See, a shepherd in their day would guard, would guard against predators, would, would guard against uh, uh, dangers. And a, a lot of times at night when they would when they gather the sheep up, the, the shepherd would, would sleep at the, the sheep gate or the door and to guard against predators or anything coming in. It's said of shepherds that they would always sleep with like one eye open so that they could be alert at the, at the, the slightest hint of, of danger, that they were always protecting the sheep. And Jesus would say, you know what? The same for me. I, I will, if you'll depend on me, I'll protect you. I mean, I, I, I've laid my life down for you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why life is so dang hard? Life's hard, right? Okay, thank you. I mean, life's, life's hard. Life's difficult. At best, life is hard. Have you, have you ever wondered, why does life have to be so hard? Why is it so hard? Because, because we're in a battle. And that's why we need a shepherd that protects us. We're in a battle. Now listen, if, you don't, if your theology doesn't allow for or believe in Satan and demons, then you're going to have a hard time with some of this scripture. But when you become a Christian, you leave one kingdom, you enter into another kingdom. And we live in a world where there's a clash of kingdoms. And you know what the battle is over? The battle is over your heart. And when Karen and I started this sabbatical together, she found this, this, uh, this quote from a saint, St. Irenaeus. St. Irenaeus, thousands, thousand years ago or so, uh, had this quote. And she says, I found this quote, and she told me, and the quote is this, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. Now listen, I was dry, I was exhausted, I was tired, and I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I mean is, don't we bring glory to God when we do something, when we accomplish something? It's about doing. And she goes, well, St. Irenaeus says that the glory of God is man fully alive. And so then she started giving me scripture. And so we started pouring through that. And so we realized that, you know what, what he said is really true, that we bring glory to God, what? When we are fully alive. When we live a life in such a way that, guess what? We have joy. 
We have peace. And there's something different about us. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, there's a battle. And the battle is over your heart. And so there's this enemy. There's this thief that has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And then Jesus says, but I, I have come that they, were the they, that they may have life and life and have life and have it abundantly. In other words, the glory of God is like man fully alive. When we understand that even in this world, even when it's so dang hard, that we can still live life fully alive. Why? Because we have a shepherd that's like meeting our, our needs and he's protecting us. Now listen, I, I don't know if you watch like Discovery Channel or, or the World uh, Kingdom or Kingdom Planet or Animal Planet, whatever it's called, where you get to see one animal, you know, like eat another animal. Uh, I love those shows. <laughs> and uh, have you ever wondered, you can take a hyena and, and a hyena, if you watch those shows, can take down a lion, which is crazy, right? You ever wondered how a hyena takes down a lion? Because a, a hyena cannot take down a lion in its prime. And hyenas know, hyenas know that. So you know how a hyena, or, or hyenas, plural, take down a, a lion? They run it. And they run it, and they run it, and they taunt it, and they run it, and they taunt it, and they run it, and they taunt it to where they bring that lion to the point of exhaustion, to where it can no longer uh, support himself or defend himself. And then they come in for the, they come in for the, for, for the kill. And, and it's the same strategy of Satan. It's the same strategy of our enemy of this age. And you know what it is? It's busyness and it's drivenness. To where we just get busy and busier and busier and busier and busier to where we quit being with God and we start doing for God. And if we're not careful, listen, you cannot sustain that. You cannot sustain that long. And, and you, know how, you know how you know that people have a hard time understanding this? Ask anyone after the service. Ask them, say, hey, how you doing? They don't really tell you how they're doing, right? You know what they tell you? They tell you what they're doing. You ask someone, how you doing? You know what they tell you? Oh, I'm just so busy. I cannot believe how busy I am. I mean, we listen, we are so incredibly busy. It is incredible how busy we are. See, this is a deadly scheme of the enemy. And the battle, listen, the battle is your heart to keep you running and running and running and taunting and running and busyness so that you will never take care of your heart. You will never spend time with it. You no, you no longer even know what you need. It's burn out and take out. I'll just burn them out and I'll take them out. I'll burn them out to the place to where they no longer live this life and live this life fully. They no longer will live this life and live this life more abundantly. And 23rd Psalm says there's healthy rhythms of life. He gives us. In John 7, 38, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The glory of God is man fully alive. Here's a Proverbs that's meant a lot to Karen and I over the last six weeks in our sabbatical. 
it says this in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of life. A lot of times, and just leave that verse up for a few minutes, guys, a lot of times we focus on the, the guard your heart part, just the guard, you've got to protect your heart. But the real emphasis of that scripture is above all else. In other words, this, make your heart a priority. Above all else. Understand you have to be with him. Understand there's, there's some things that only God can give you. Understand there's only some things that I mean, because here's the deal. If, if, if you don't make your heart a priority, you'll never guard it. That's what that scripture, because that scripture is saying, guess what? If you don't make your heart a priority, it will determine the course of your life. Man, if you're not careful, you can misunderstand the Christian life. You can misunderstand what God offers you. A lot of people, when I have conversations with people, and I'll talk to them about, about eternal life, eternity, what does heaven mean to you? What, I'm sorry, what does eternal life mean to you? Uh, what, it, what, it, what does it mean to you that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you and offers you eternal life? It's interesting to me that a lot of people misunderstand eternal life, even in church. And so they'll talk about, well, that, that's something in the future, right? Eternity. That is something like, like in the future. It's not in the here and now. It's not in the meantime. It's not, it's not now. It's just something that he, he offers us, and life is really hard, but guess what? He offers me eternity, and one day, one day I have eternity. It's going to be great, right? It's a lot like to me a bride and a groom standing up at their wedding day, and all of a sudden the groom takes out a ring and slips it on his bride's finger, and he says, with this ring, I thee wed, and one day we're going to have a really great retirement together. But it's going to suck in the meantime. <laughs> if, baby, if you can just make it to retirement, it's going to be unbelievable. That's the way a lot of, a lot of people approach the Christian life. In the meantime, it's going to suck. Good news, we've got eternity. Good news if I can just make it. But Jesus says, in the meantime, our desire to give you life and life more abundantly. In the meantime, if you will guard your heart, if you will protect your heart. In other words, you've got to understand the battles for your heart. Second week of my sabbatical, I had a ministry trip already planned to go to Chicago to meet with the Willow Creek Association board members about the Global Leadership Summit and all the circumstances that are surrounding that right now. I couldn't get out of it. I had to do it. Tickets were booked. So I flew into Chicago, landed in O'Hare, and, and so the, the meetings are downtown, so you can't rent a car. So you either, so I pulled out my, my phone and I got on Uber. I like Uber, by the way. Uh, Uber's exciting. I mean, you never know who's going to drive you and you never, and then, and then you might die. And so, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's fun stuff. It's just fun stuff. And so I like Uber. And so Uber told me it'd take 45 bucks to get me downtown. But I was noticed that you could ride the light rail, the L line, and you can ride the L line $5 unlimited in a day. And so I have the spiritual gift of being cheap, and so I, I picked the L line. I said, I, I, I need to experience this. And so I get on the L train, and I get my phone out, and I have an old I, iPhone uh, 6S. And so I got a battery problem. It can go to 100%, 50%, you know, and then 
bam, it's gone. And so I get on the L line, I got transit instructions, and I'm geographically challenged, so it's probably my fault, not Siri's fault. I mean, I hate to admit this, but as a man, north, south, east, west means nothing to me. Just tell me left, right, I'm good. And so, uh, <laughs> and so I, I get on the L line, I'm texting pictures to Karen, friends, you're not going to believe who's on the train, look at this. And so, so I, I get off at the wrong stop. And so as I'm getting off, and as my phone is crashing, I get walking distance to the hotel. I'm four miles away. And to make matters worse, I'm in South Chicago. Yeah, that's dangerous, in case you don't know. Like that night, I was watching the evening news. They were celebrating that only 11 people were shot and killed in the last 24 hours in South Chicago. I'm like, really? That's something to celebrate? They go, yeah, it's usually like 20 or 30. And so now... I've got directions, my phone completely crashes, and I have to walk four miles with my luggage to the hotel. I knew I was behind enemy lines. I mean, I understood, God, I, 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 need, I need protection. It's hilarious, really quick side story. Um, I, I got lost. <laughs> and so I ended up on the street, and there were some guys gathered around a car. They all had car parts in their hands. Uh, <laughs> I honestly thought they were fixing their car till I walked off and realized, I, oh, I bet you they weren't fixing the car. <laughs> they were happy to give me directions and get me out of there. And so I understood that guess what? Man, I, I'm in a dangerous situation. Guess what? You need to understand there's a clash of two kingdoms, and the battle is your heart. And we have a shepherd that protects. Here's the second thing. We have a shepherd that provides. He not only protects, but he provides. Uh, Hebrews 13.20 says, Now may the God of, of peace who brought you up from the dead, our, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. Here's favorite verse 21. May he equip you with, with all you need. He wants to meet your needs. For doing his will, for doing what he's asked you to do. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. This is like, this is like a prayer. In other words, God wants to provide for you everything you need. We have a man in our church. Uh, he's out on assignment. He's not here often. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL. And we have a lot of men and women that served in our arms, armed services in our, in our church. And I'm so thankful for you and the sacrifice that you've given to our country. So he's out on assignment right now, but we were having a conversation years back. And he was telling me as a Navy SEAL, we were talking about some things in, in the battlefield. And he says, well, you know, there's sometimes as a Navy SEAL we shoot to kill and sometimes we shoot to wound. He says, I've never heard of that. He goes, yeah, if you shoot to kill, you take one man off the battlefield. If you shoot to wound, you take three off the battlefield. You, you, you take the man you've wounded off the battlefield, and then you take two of his buddies off the battlefield as they have to carry him off on a stretcher. Or you totally demoralize them, and they get discouraged. Our enemy can't shoot to kill. Our enemy shoots to wound. And when you walk around this life wounded because of unforgiveness, because of bitterness, because of anger, because of judgmentalness, because of what's been done to you, if you, 
you walk around this world wounded and not fully alive, it not only will take you out, it can take a marriage out, it can take relationships out, it can take a family out, and it can demoralize like everyone. And some of you, I'm just so burdened because some of you, you're walking around and, and you say, I, I, I'm, I'm not fully alive. I'm, I'm wounded. I'm carrying some things. And I know I'm saying some things and conducting myself in a manner that is wounding others. Man, if you see yourself this morning as like low maintenance, I'm telling you, you're running on less fuel than God has designed you to run on. God wants to meet your needs. Your needs matter. Not, your, not all of your dreams and not your... I'm talking about your needs. Oh, over our sabbatical, I, I took out a, a legal piece of paper. Maybe this would be something good for you to do because I think you need to be aware of your needs. I wasn't really aware of my needs. The fact is, I denied my needs. I thought it was everybody... Anyway, it doesn't matter. And I took out a legal piece of paper and I drew a line down the middle and I put fill on one side and drain on the other side. And so I just started writing, what are the things that fill me in life? What are the things that I get to do that, like, give me energy? Like, oh, this is just awesome. And so, so it'd be, like, devotional time with, with, with like, God and, and just that time of reading, life journaling, reading scripture. A uh, time with Karen was, was the next one. I mean, I, the, just, you know, something happens to me when I, when I just spend time with Karen and time with my family. Uh, time on the, the golf course with, with my golf buddies, I mean, with good friends. I mean, it's just encouraging. There's something that happens when that happens. And then, uh, and then, then there's preaching and leading and some of the other things that I do. And then on the other side, there were some things that, 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 that drain me. And so if, if you're single, you can make that list. And then in your life group or with a good friend, you can give that list to someone else and say, hey, would you pray for me about this and hold me accountable that I try to live life in balance of fill and drain? We all get it from time to time. We have to do more stuff that drains us than fills us. But if you try to sustain that over a long period of time, bad stuff will happen. If you're married, you great exercise. And then all of a sudden you begin to swap lists. And, oh, and you don't criticize each other over lists. Say, hey, what do you mean? That, 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 that fills you? That's ridiculous. But you learn to support one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. I'm telling you, we have a shepherd that has laid his life down, and he provides for us. He protects us. The third thing is he, he guides us. In other words, he guides us. He wants to, when, when, when David wrote the 23rd Psalm, people didn't, in, in their culture didn't believe there, there was one supreme being, there was one supreme God. They believed in multiple gods. There were multiple ways to, to God. There are multiple ways to heaven. Sound familiar, right? And so David says, oh, no. There is, there is one supreme God. There is one supreme being. He is the great I am. He's always existed. He will always exist. He was, uh, he was the beginning and the end. He was, he was the first and the last. And, and he, he, is, he, is, uh, he is I am. And, and he's the one that you're looking for. And, and so, so if, you're, you're, if you're hungry, he, he is the bread. And if you're, if, if you're in the dark, he is the light. And if you're, you're searching, the scripture says he is the truth. And if, if you're lost, he is the way. And if if you're in need, he is a good shepherd that wants to meet your needs. And listen, let me tell you, man, people are going to disappoint you. People are going to hurt you. Positions are going to be eliminated. Plans are going to be subverted. 
uh, possessions will be lost in this life. And our only hope to life fully alive is understanding that he is our shepherd. He desires to meet our needs. Listen, you can never have, I'm just telling you, you can never have true satisfaction in life. Live this life fully alive till you can come to the place and says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want and mean it because he's the one that meets all my basic needs. I don't have to look to anyone else. I don't have to look to any other relationships. I don't have to look to possessions and promotions and all of those. He's the one that meets my needs. The last thing is this, is just learning to find comfort in a shepherd. And how do you do that? How do you, how do you learn to find comfort in a shepherd? The first thing is this, is you have to accept Jesus as your Lord. You have to come to the place, the Lord is my shepherd. Salvation is this. Salvation is when you come to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, but you understand that he is also the Lord of your life. He is also in charge of your life to where you surrender, to you surrender totally to him. I mean, John chapter 14, uh, 10, 14, and 27, Jesus is the one that says, I, I'm the good shepherd. And he makes three statements. My sheep know know me, they listen to my voice, and they follow me. So he tells us, says, when, if you want to surrender to him, uh, you, you know Jesus, you know him intimately, uh, you listen to him, and then, and then, you, then you follow him. And so, so the first step is to accept him and make him Lord supreme in your life to where you follow him. The second thing is this, is you've got to begin praying about everything. And let, let me ask you a question. Are you a praying person, a person who prays? There's a big difference. A person who prays only prays in crisis, only prays really in church, only prays when they're in a crisis and God, get me out of this mess. But a, but a praying person prays about everything. You know, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request, needs, be made known to him. You ever thought about starting out your day? We have. And becoming a praying person instead of a person who prays? God, here's what my heart needs today. God, here, here's what I need today. God, this is, this is just something that I, I, I just need today. Whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's support, whether it's something from him. God, this is what I need. I'm just making my request known to you. Then the last thing is this, is consider one day at a time. Just, just start considering, just take one day at a time. The, the Lord preach, uh, teach, taught us to pray by the Lord's Prayer. And Matthew chapter 6, 11 says, we ask, um, give us today our daily bread. In other words, what we're asking, God, meet our daily needs. In other words, again, just tell God what you need. And your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need. And he will give them to you if you will put him as first place in your life. And I, t I invite you to take the first step of understanding that he's your shepherd and living life fully alive. Now listen, this, this may wreck some of you or disappoint some of you about me. But uh, I listen to all genres of music, okay? I don't just listen to, like, Christian music. 
I mean, I mean, I know some of you think you guys, you pastors are like, you know, all you do is like listen to worship music and sing Kumbaya 24-7 and you don't, you know, your dial never goes to like those other stations. Well, I listen to all genres. It's kind of funny. I even listen to country and western music from time to time, especially with thank you. <laughs> I got booze in all the other services, so you're going you're gonna to like this. And so especially when I need a pickup line for Karen, like, you look too good for me not to take you out tonight, baby. I mean, uh, it works. It works. It's working now. Just fan yourself. It'll be okay. <laughs> that was probably too far. I'm sorry. I, even, I know I shouldn't even say this, but I even, I even sometimes use lyrics of country and western songs in pastoral counseling. Uh, I use scripture too, but <laughs> just helps people to understand. Like one that, that, that got a lot of traction is, don't pour alcohol on an old flame. Uh, that's just that's bad news. Don't do that. And so, but anyway, back to this. And so, uh, Sean Mendez, many of you may not know who he is, Sean Mendez uh, has a, has a, a song that came out like six months ago. It was called In My Blood. And God has really used it to like grip my heart. I mean, this song quickly became one of the most popular songs in America. Now it's like going viral worldwide. And Sean Mendez represents a group of people, a culture that are crying out, saying, in desperation, there has to be more to this life than what we see. There has to be more to this world than, 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 than what we see and what we know. And, and so he's like crying out. And so let me, let me just give you, now listen, In My Blood is the title of the song. It is not a Christian song, okay? And so here, here's some of the lyrics. Uh, lying on my bathroom floor feeling nothing, overwhelmed and insecure, give me something, something I could take to ease my mind. And then he gives answers that like his buddies are telling him what to do. And in case you don't know, Sean Mendez has dealt with anxiety, depression, self-harm, cutting, all these issues in life. He's dealing with that. And he says, so this is what my buddies are telling me to do. Just have a drink. And you will feel better. Just take her home. And you will feel better. Keep telling me that it gets better, but does it ever? No medicine is strong enough. Sometimes I feel like giving up. But I just can't. Because it's, it's in my blood. And this is a cry of desperation of a world that is crying out desperately that there has to be more to this world. There has to be more to this life than what we see. And that's why we need followers of Jesus Christ who are fully alive, who waters of living water are flowing out of their heart with joy and with peace to help the people that Sean Mendez represents, to help them understand that, Sean, there is more to this life. You can live this life, and you can live this life abundantly. You just got to understand, Sean, it is not in your blood. There is a man named Jesus Christ, and it is in his blood. It was in his blood that was shed for you on the cross. And because of that, Jesus says, 
If you thirst and you drink from me, you will never, you will never thirst again. You can live life and you can live this life more abundantly from the one who fills instead of leaving you empty. That's why communion is so important. That's why we take communion. It's a reminder of that. As our servers make their way to the back as we get ready to take of the bread and the juice. Communion is just a simple reminder that it is not in our blood. We cannot do this. It is a reminder to us that the answers that, you know what, the world gives us leaves us empty. It may fill for a short period of time, but it always leads us empty and we always have to go back. It's temporary. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his blood that was shed for us on the cross gives us the ability to live life and this life more abundantly.